0: The scripture for today is from Luke chapter 19. It is the Palm Sunday scripture. And you've you've heard us say that. Some of you may be like, what is Palm Sunday? It's a really cool day that starts a journey towards Easter. And it was the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And the reason it's called Palm Sunday is because in in several of the scriptures that talk about it, people took palm leaves and waved them to, um, to laud Jesus as the king that was coming into the city. So let me read you the scripture. At the end of it, I'll say this is the word of God for the people of God, and we'll say thanks be to God. Luke chapter 19 says, "'After Jesus had said this, "'he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. "'As he approached Bethpage in Bethany "'at the hill called the Mount of Olives, "'he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, "'Go to the village ahead of you, "'and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, "'which no one has ever ridden. "'Untie it and bring it here.'" If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And when they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus cried on Palm Sunday. Jesus cried on Palm Sunday. I've been studying this stuff for a long time, but I had never, I don't think, noticed, I definitely in 15 years have never preached on Palm Sunday that Jesus cried. That on the day he was lauded as a king, triumphantly entering, he wept. The problem that Jesus is addressing on Palm Sunday with his tears is the same problem that we're facing today. The people were wanting things to change. Amen? Amen. They were wanting their suffering to be addressed, their pain to be alleviate, alleviated, their violence in their, in their culture to end. They wanted the oppression of the government they were under. They wanted to be free from it. They wanted to, it all to be just, well, fixed. Fixed. And the way they saw out was through a political means, through a king, a new king. Hopefully a new king, that would be Jesus, would fix their situation. One of the central messages of the whole biblical narrative is that the people of God desire a human king. I don't know if you knew that. But one of the the threads for the whole thing is that the people want some person to fix everything. And another thread that runs all the way through is that we see we need more than a human king can provide. You hear both of those? We desire for somebody to fix this, and we realize that nobody can quite fix it. We need more than a fix in government, we need more than new elected officials. We need more than a new king. Now, please don't mishear me as I say this, and please don't send emails, okay? <laughs> you can send emails whenever you want. I love them, every one of them. Um, but we need those things. I see our mayor. I see our county mayor. We need you. We need, uh, we need uh, people to work and fight for those who are vulnerable. But if we misunderstand from where our help comes from, really comes from, we will continue to see the cycles of violence and oppression and pain continue. That's right. Exhibit A, my proof for this, is human history. History shows that the great human king experiment has failed. That human government hasn't fixed everything. No... Empire or nation has solved poverty, violence, corruption, greed. I am a proud American. I'm patriotic. My grandfather fought in World War II to protect all of this. Those values are instilled in me. I'm all for democracy. I'm not suggesting a new human solution in that area. But if, for example, the American experiment, now 250 years going, leads to a nation where nine-year-olds are murdered in a Christian school then we have a problem. And it's the same problem they faced in Jerusalem. The great human king experiment has failed as predicted. Let me give you some background. When the people of God begged Samuel, the prophet, this is hundreds of years before Jesus, when they begged Samuel, the prophet, for a king of their own, Samuel asked them to please reconsider Here it is. This is an old verse. They said to Samuel, now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. They saw all these other nations with human kings. But when they said this, give us a king to lead us, it displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It's not you they've rejected. It's me they've rejected as their king. He goes on to say, God tells Samuel, listen to them, but warn them. Okay? Listen to them, but warn them what will happen if you get a king. So this is what Samuel brings back to the people. I'm going to read you a few more verses. He says, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He'll take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and run in front of his chariots. He'll take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He'll take the best of your fields. He'll take the tenth of your grain, taxes, right? He says, he'll take a tenth of your flocks. You yourselves will become his slaves. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. They said, we want a king. Then we'll be like all the other nations. And so the Lord gave them a king. The Lord gave them their human king. And uh, just like all the other human kings, they found themselves in a mess of suffering. And that's why it's really important that we understand what's going on in Palm Sunday. That it's not just this great triumphant moment. It's really important because this is the day that Jesus showed even his disciples that he did not come to take over a human government. Like they wanted him to. Like we would want him to. I would rather have Jesus as president right now. Okay? But Jesus didn't come to do that. It's really important. It sounds funny to say that, right? To say, uh, you know, we, we would rather have Jesus be there. But that's what they were saying in that day. We want Jesus to be our Caesar We want Jesus to take over the Roman Empire. We want that guy off of the throne and this guy on the throne. But Jesus didn't come to do that, to be a king or a governor or a president or a prime minister or a general. He did not come to fix things in the way that men have tried to fix things with law and might. Why? Because for Jesus, there was more at stake than the preservation of a human empire. From Jesus' seat, nations come and nations go. Jesus came to tackle the real problem, the real enemy, and that is sin, evil, the demonic, the devil, rebellion against God, idols that men have set up, sickness, heartbreak, murder, devastation. Jesus had a much bigger aim than the Roman Empire. Thank you, Jesus. God's way to save was not a new king on a throne or a conquering general as most assumed. God's way to save was sending his son to an executioner's cross. The thing that needed to be conquered was death. That's what is stark before us this week. The thing that needed to be conquered was death, and the only way to conquer death was for Jesus to meet death. The only way we can face tragedy is because Jesus faced tragedy. The only way we can live on the other side of things is because Jesus lived on the other side of things. I have dreams of seeing the real problems of this community conquered like i know both of our mayors do as we work side by side hunger addiction fostering children education safety in schools these are the things we've given our lives to this week i've 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 talked with our state representative our chief of police our fire chief school principals we are working together for real substantive systemic change because nine-year-olds got killed in our town on our watch This is not a pie-in-the-sky church, guys. We're not saying that we'll just talk about all this heavenly stuff and ignore the suffering of our neighbors. That is not the way of Christ. We are a church who piles up food in the lobby, builds feeding centers, homeless shelters, dig wells for people that don't have water, builds schools in places where children don't have schools, fosters kids. We won't be accused of being too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good. But I'm getting another job if our focus ever moves from being on Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can save. I will not put my trust in kings because humans have proved that we can't solve the problem. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, it's why people are gathered all over the world hearing the story today. Amazing. When Jesus rode in, the people recognized him as the true king. And that's what we're supposed to do today. That's the story for us as Christians. A different kind of king is the only one who can save us. A peaceful king, a humble king, a powerful king, a sacrificial king. I do sincerely believe that our only hope in this life and in the life to come is found on the humble king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey going straight to the cross. But people don't like to talk about the cross much anymore these days. It's offensive, right? Jesus' shameful, bloody death. We want to turn our face away from it. But Jesus knew that we too would live in a shameful, bloody age. And so Jesus took on shame himself and shed his own blood so that we could be saved. His greater aim was not human power. It was actually laying down his power so that others could live. Our king met the full extent of heartache and suffering so that we could know the full extent of life on the other side. He had something more important to do, not for one age, but for the end of the age. With Jesus, we can face the tragedy of this week with, with much grieving and tears. We can face heartbreak. We align with him because he conquered sin. And what we saw this week was sin, evil, the demonic, the devil, devastation murder, heartbreak. And that's what Jesus came to save. So they shouted Hosanna in the streets. The word Hosanna just means save us. Like we think of it as like this praise song, but, but they were saying, save us now. That's what the word means. And I think that should be our cry today. The religious, told, the religious leaders told Jesus, hey, will you tell your disciples to be quiet? Like they're like yelling Hosanna in the streets. And Jesus said, if they're quiet, the rocks are gonna cry out. And as I've heard it said, I don't want a rock crying out for me as long as I have breath. I will proclaim him as Lord on our darkest day and our most difficult week. And then when Jesus came right to the edge of Jerusalem, he just started crying. You know, we're told one time Jesus cried when his friend Lazarus died. We know that those tears, don't we? When we lose someone we love. These tears are different. When he cries over the city of Jerusalem, it's because he sees that the people are unable to see that if they would look to him, they would find peace. Another way of saying it is we've been talking about, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus over the last few weeks. But Jesus is saying, if you don't see me for who I really am, if you're trying to put me in some other place that I'm not saying I'm going, if you don't see me for who I really am, you will not have peace. Peace. Listen to what Jesus says. The words are stark, okay? I want to read you the, a part of it again. It says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And, and he said, if you, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus says that on Palm Sunday, that because of the brokenness of sin in our world, children will be killed in the great cities of man because the people do not see Jesus for who he is. It's why the work of the church is essential. And it's not just relegated to helping uh, those who are suffering. It's preaching the gospel of who Jesus is. But what we see is that we do not mourn. We mourn this week. We mourn today. But we do not mourn as those who have no hope. So in the midst of this, we still carry with us hope. The early church has many letters that are of encouragement to the early church that was living in a dangerous time where there was violence and oppression and all kinds of terrible things. And I want to read to you just a portion Uh, There's many of these that hold the whole hope of what we can have right now. It's an encouragement, okay? I want to encourage you. Brothers and sisters, this is 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who've fallen asleep in him. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Therefore, I encourage you today. I encourage you, church. Heck of a week. We're broken we got problems, but I encourage you in the name of Jesus, I encourage you because Jesus is the real king. I encourage you with these words. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve with Jesus who weeps over children who've been dashed to the ground, but we grieve with Jesus who says, one day I will catch you up again. And all those who sleep in the Lord will be raised up with me. And then after that, I'll get the rest of you and we'll be with the Lord forever. So do not put your hope in a human king. Put your hope in the one who rides into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey and cry out to him, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Amen, amen, amen.